Section 15, Volume 5 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night. Translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Volume 5, Section 15. When it was the four hundred and thirteenth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Abdullah the religious continued. So I carried him to the convent, and dressed his wounds, and he abode with me fourteen days. But as soon as he could walk, he left the monastery, and returned to the door of the woman's booth, where he sat gazing on her as before. When she saw him, she came out to him, and said, By Allah, thou movest me to pity. Wilt thou enter my faith, that I may marry thee? He cried, Allah forbid that I should put off the faith of unity, and enter that of plurality. Quoth she, Come in with me to my house, and take thy will of me, and wend thy ways in peace. Quoth he, Not so, I will not waste the worship of twelve years for the lust of an eye-twinkle. Said she, Then depart from me forthwith. And he said, My heart will not suffer me to do that. Whereupon she turned her countenance from him. Presently the boys found him out, and began to pelt him with stones. And he fell on his face, saying, Verily, Allah is my protector, who sent down the book of the Koran, and he protecteth the righteous. At this I sallied forth, and driving away the boys, lifted his head from the ground, and heard him say, Allah mine, unite me with her in paradise. Then I carried him to the monastery, but he died before I could reach it. And I bore him without the village, and I dug for him a grave and buried him. And next night, when half of it was spent, the damsel cried with a great cry, and she in her bed. So the villagers flocked to her, and questioned her of her case. Quoth she, As I slept, behold, the Mosul man came into me, and taking me by the hand, carried me to the gate of paradise. But the guardian denied me entrance, saying, Tis forbidden to unbelievers. So I embraced all Islam at his hands, and, entering with him, beheld therein pavilions and trees, such as I cannot describe to you. Moreover, he brought me to a pavilion of jewels, and said to me, Of a truth, this is my pavilion and thine, nor will I enter it save with thee. But after five nights thou shalt be with me therein, if it be the will of Allah Almighty. Then he put forth his hand to a tree, which grew at the door of the pavilion, and plucked therefrom two apples, and gave them to me, saying, Eat this, and keep the other, that the monks may see it. So I ate one of them, and never tasted I aught sweeter. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the four hundred and fourteenth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the woman continued. So he plucked two apples and gave them to me, saying, Eat this, and keep the other, that the monks may see it. So I ate one of them, and never tasted I aught sweeter. Then he took my hand, and fared forth, and carried me back to my house. And, when I awoke, I found the taste of the apple in my mouth, and the other in my hand. So saying, she brought out the apple, and in the darkness of the night it shone as it were a sparkling star. So they carried her, and the apple with her, to the monastery, where she repeated her vision and showed it to us. Never saw we its like among all the fruits of the world. Then I took a knife and cut the apple into pieces according as we were folk in company and never knew we aught more delicious than its savour, nor more delightsome than its scent. 
but we said, Haply this was a devil that appeared unto her to seduce her from her faith. Thereupon her people took her and went away. But she abstained from eating and drinking, and on the fifth night she rose from her bed, and going forth the village to the grave of her Muslim lover, threw herself upon it and died, her family not knowing what was come of her. But on the morrow there came to the village two Muslim elders, clad in hair cloth, and with them two women in light garb, and said, O people of the village, with you is a woman saint, a walia of the friends of Allah, who died a Muslimah, and we will take charge of her in lieu of you. So the villagers sought her and found her dead on the Muslim's grave, and they said, This was one of us, and she died in our faith, so we will take charge of her. Rejoined the two old men, Nay, she died a Muslimah, and we claim her. And the dispute waxed to a quarrel between them, till one of the sheikhs said, Be this the test of her faith. The forty monks of the monastery shall come and try to lift her from the grave. If they succeed, then she died a Nazarene. If not, one of us shall come and lift her up, and if she be lifted by him, she died a Muslimah. The villagers agreed to this, and fetched the forty monks, who heartened one another and came to her to lift her, but could not. Then we tied a great rope round her middle and hailed at it, but the rope broke in sunder, and she stirred not, and the villagers came and did the like, but could not move her from her place. At last, when all means failed, we said to one of the two sheikhs, Come thou and lift her. So he went up to the grave, and, covering her with his mantle, said, In the name of Allah the Compassionating, the Compassionate, and of the faith of the Apostle of Allah, on whom be prayers and peace. Then he lifted her, and taking her in his bosom, betook himself with her to a cave hard by where they laid her, and the two women came and washed her and shrouded her. Then the two elders bore her to her Muslim lover's grave, and prayed over her, and buried her by his side, and went their ways. Now we were eyewitnesses of all this, and when we were alone with one another, we said, In sooth, the truth is most worthy to be followed, and indeed the verity hath been made manifest to us. Nor is there a proof more patent of the truth of all Islam than that we have seen this day with our eyes. So I and all the monks became Muslims, and on likewise did the villagers. And we sent to the people of Mesopotamia for a doctor of the law, to instruct us in the ordinances of all Islam and the canons of the faith. They sent us a learned man and a pious, who taught us the rites of prayer and the tenets of the faith, and we are now in ease abounding, so to Allah be the praise and the thanks. And they also tell a tale of The Loves of Abu Isa and Qurat al-Ain Quoth Amru bin Masadah, Abu Isa, son of al-Rashid and brother to al-Mamun, was enamored of one Qurat al-Ain, a slave girl belonging to Ali bin Hashim. And she also loved him, but he concealed his passion, complaining of it to none, neither discovering his secret to any one of his pride and magnanimity. For he had used his utmost endeavor to purchase her of her master, but he had failed. At last, when his patience was at an end, and his passion was sore on him, and he was helpless in the matter, he went in to Al-Mamun, one day of state after the folk had retired, and said to him, O commander of the faithful, if thou wilt this day make trial of thine alcaides by taking them unawares, thou wilt know the generous from the mean, and note each one's place after the quality of his mind. But in saying this, he proposed only to sit with Kurat al-Ain in her lord's house. 
quoth Al-Mamun, Right is thy wrecking, and bade make ready a barge called the Flyer, wherein he embarked with Abu Isa and a party of his chief officers. The first mansion he visited unexpectedly was that of Hamid al-Tawil of Tus, whom he found seated. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the four hundred and fifteenth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that al-Mamun embarked with his chief officers and fared on till they reached the mansion of Hamid al-Tawil of Tus, and unexpectedly entering they found him seated on a mat and before him singers and players with lutes and flagellots and other instruments of music in their hands so al-mamun sat with him a while and presently he set before him dishes of nothing but flesh meat with no birds among them the caliph would not taste thereof and abu isa said to him o commander of the faithful we have taken the owner of this place unawares and he knew not of thy coming but now let us go to another place which is prepared for thee and fitted for thee. Thereupon the caliph arose and betook himself with his brother Abu Isa and his suite to the abode of Ali son of Hashim, who on hearing of their approach came out and received them with the goodliest of reception and kissed the earth before the king. Then he brought them into his mansion and opened to them a saloon than which seer never saw a goodlier. Its floors, pillars, and walls were of many-colored marbles, adorned with Greek paintings, and it was spread with matting of sind, whereon were carpets and tapestry of Bassarah make, fitted to the length and breadth of the room. So the caliph sat a while, examining the house and its ceilings and walls, then said, Give us somewhat to eat. So they brought him forthwith nearly an hundred dishes of poultry besides other birds and brewesses, fritters and cooling marinades. When he had eaten, he said, Give us something to drink, O Ali. And the host set before him in vessels of gold and silver and crystal, raisin wine boiled down to one-third with fruits and spices. And the cup-bearers were pages like moons, clad in garments of Alexandrian stuff, interwoven with gold, and bearing on their breasts beakers of crystal, full of rose-water mingled with musk. So al-Mamun marveled with exceeding marvel at all he saw, and said, Ho thou, Abu al-Hasan! Whereupon Ali sprang to the caliph's carpet, and kissing it, said, At thy service, O commander of the faithful, and stood before him. Quoth al-Mamun, Let us hear some pleasant and merry song. Replied Ali, I hear and obey, O commander of the faithful, and said to one of his eunuchs, Fetch the singing women. So the slave went out and presently returned, followed by ten castratos bearing ten stools of gold, which they set down in due order. And after these came ten damsels, concubines of the master, as they were shining full moons or gardens full of bloom, clad in black brocade, with crowns of gold on their heads. And they passed along the room till they sat down on the stools, when sang they sundry songs. Al-Mamun looked at one of them, and, being captivated by her elegance and fair favor, asked her, What is thy name, O damsel? And she answered, My name is Sajahi, O commander of the faithful. And he said, Sing to us, O Sajahi. So she played a lively measure and sang these couplets. I walk for fear of interview the weakling's walk, who sees two lion whelps the fount draw nigh. My cloak acts sword. My heart's perplexed with fright, lest jealous hostile eyes the approach descry, 
till sudden hapt I on a delicate maid, like desert doe that fails her fawns to espy. Quoth the caliph, Thou hast done well, O damsel, whose are these lines? She answered, Written by Amru bin Madi Karib al-Zubaydi, and the air is Ma Abid's. Then the caliph and Abu Isa and Ali drank, and the damsels went away and were succeeded by other ten, all clad in flowered silk of al-Yaman, brocaded with gold, who sat down on the chairs and sang various songs. The caliph looked at one of the concubines, who was like a wild heifer of the waste, and said to her, What is thy name, O damsel? She replied, My name is Zabiyah, O commander of the faithful. And he, Sing to us, Zabiyah. So she warbled like a bird with many a trill, and sang these two couplets. Hauris and high-born dames who feel no fear of men, like Meccan game forbidden man to slam. Their soft sweet voices make you deem them whores, but bars them from all whoring all Islam. When she had finished, Al-Mamun cried, Favored of Allah art thou. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the four hundred and sixteenth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the slave girl finished her song, Al-Mamun cried, Favored of Allah art thou, whose is this verse? And she answered, Jarir's, and the air is by Ibn Saraj. Then the caliph and his company drank, whilst the girls went away, and there came forth yet other ten, as they were rubies, robed in bread brocade, inwoven with gold, and purfled with pearls and jewels, whilst all their heads were bare. They sat down on the stools, and sang various airs. So the caliph looked at one of them, who was like the son of the day, and asked her, What is thy name, O damsel? And she answered, O commander of the faithful, my name is Fatin. Sing to us, O Fatin, quoth he, whereat she played a lively measure and sang these couplets. Deign grant thy favors, since tis time I were engraced. Tenough of severance hath it been my lot to taste. Thou art he whose face clothes every gift and charm unite. Yet is my patience spent for that twas sore misplaced. I've wasted life in loving thee, and would high heaven grant me one meeting hour for all this willful waste. Well sung, O Fatin, exclaimed the caliph, whose verse is this? And she answered, Adi bin Zaids, and the air is antique. Then all three drank, whilst the damsels retired and were succeeded by other ten maidens, as they were sparkling stars, clad in flowered silk, embroidered with red gold, and girt with jeweled zones. They sat down and sang various motives, and the caliph asked one of them, who was like a wand of willow, What is thy name, O damsel? And she answered, My name is Rasha, O commander of the faithful. Sing to us, O Rasha, quoth he. So she played a lively measure and sang these couplets. And one like Hauri, who can passion heal, like young gazelle that paceth o'er the plain, I drain this wine-cup on the toast her cheek, each cup disputing till she bends in twain. Then sleeps the night with me the while I cry, This the only gain my soul would gain. Said the caliph, Well done, O damsel, sing us something more. So she rose, and kissing the ground before him, sang the following distich. She came out to gaze on the bridal at ease, 
in a ship that reeked of ambergris. The caliph was highly pleased with this couplet, and when the slave girl saw how much it delighted him, she repeated it several times. Then said Al-Mamun, Bring up the flyer, being minded to embark and depart. But Ali bin Hashim said to him, O commander of the faithful, I have a slave girl whom I bought for ten thousand deniers. She hath taken my heart in whole and part, and I would fain display her to the commander of the faithful. If she please him and he will accept of her, she is his, and if not, let him hear something from her. Said the caliph, Bring her to me. And forth came a damsel, as she were a branchlet of willow, with seducing eyes and eyebrows set like twin bows, and on her head she wore a crown of red gold, crusted with pearls and jeweled, under which was a fillet, bearing this couplet, wrought in letters of chrysolite. A jinnia this, with her gin to show, how to pierce man's heart with a stringless bow. The handmaiden walked with the gait of a gazelle in flight, and fit to damn a devotee till she came to a chair, whereon she seated herself. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the four hundred and seventeenth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the handmaiden walked with the gait of a gazelle in flight, fit to damn a devotee, till she came to a chair, whereon she seated herself. And Al-Mamun marveled at her beauty and loveliness. But when Abu Isa saw her, his heart throbbed with pain, his color changed to pale, and wan, and he was in evil case. Asked the caliph, O Abu Isa, what aileth thee to change thus? And he answered, O commander of the faithful, it is because of a twitch that seizeth me betimes. Quoth the caliph, Hast thou known yonder damsel before today? Quoth he, Yes, O commander of the faithful, can the moon be concealed? Then said Al-Mamun to her, What is thy name, O damsel? And she replied, My name is Kurat al-Ain, O commander of the faithful. And he rejoined, Sing to us, O Kurat al-Ain. So she sang these two couplets. The loved ones left thee in middle night, And fared with the pilgrims when dawn shone bright. The tents of pride round the domes they pitched, And with broidered curtains were veiled for sight. Quoth the caliph, Favoured of heaven art thou, O Kurat al-Ain, whose song is that? Whereto she answered, The words are by Di'ibul al-Kuzai, and the air is by Zorzor al-Sagir. Abu Isa looked at her, and his tears choked him, so that the company marveled at him. Then she turned to al-Mamun, and said to him, O commander of the faithful, wilt thou give me leave to change the words? Said he, Sing what thou wilt. So she played a merry measure and caroled these couplets. If thou should please a friend who pleaseth thee, frankly in public practice secrecy, and spurn the slanderer's tale who seldom seeks except the severance of true love to see, they say when lovers near he tires of love, and absence is for love best remedy. Both cures we tried, and yet we are not cured, with all we judge that nearness easier be. Yet nearness is of no avail when he thou lovest lends thee love unwillingly. But when she had finished, Abu Isa said, O commander of the faithful. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say.
End of section 15.